Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for choosing Pilot Program. We ask that you please fasten your seatbelts and put your tray tables in the upright and locked position. Enjoy your flight. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. Come on and fly with me. Let's fly, let's fly away. Come fly with me. Let's float down to Peru. Good afternoon, passengers. This is your Captain Chase Kenicky speaking. The date is January 5th, 2023. It is, yeah. yeah. I have not adjusted that. No one ever adjusts to it right away. <laughs> uh, the current weather is 38 degrees here in cloudy St. Louis. And, uh, you know, with me as always is my co-pilot, Pierce Corshane. Hello, Pierce. How are you doing? I'm well. How are yeah? you? Uh, I'm great. It's another it's another episode of Pilot Program. How could yeah. I be How could I be bad? That's true. This is also after the holidays, so I feel relaxed. I feel recharged. You know, after yeah. this grueling recording schedule we have. That's true. One a month. That's true. I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Um, your in-flight entertainment this evening will be MASH, the 1972 television show. M uh, asterisk A asterisk <laughs> S. Yes. Asterisk Thank you. H. Thank you. That's That was necessary. I appreciate you doing it. Um, so MASH is, an, is a show that you wanted to to, to do uh, for, for this show, and I'm fine with that. Uh, but I, it's not one. <laughs> uh, but it's not no, one. Wait, anyone who was, says I'm fine with that is really not fine with that. <laughs> yeah, I actually am fine with it. I just uh, it's not a show I was very familiar with. It was uh, I, I certainly watched a lot of Nick at Night and TV Land kind of stuff. But MASH was not one of the things that that for whatever reason I ever caught, I was, you know, I love Lucy, Brady Bunch, Three's Company, uh, plenty of that kind of stuff. But for whatever reason, I just kind of missed MASH. So I, this was, this felt like uh, filling in a bit of a gap in my TV history. And this is an important one, um, especially is, yeah. for its uh, final episode, which of course we will not be talking about. That's not what pilot program is about. We only talk about the first episodes. We do. Uh, um, but uh, still, I, I think it's a, an incredibly important show that has uh, a lot of legacy to it. And uh, I'm excited to talk about it. So before we do, Pierce, I have to ask you the eternal question here. Did you watch any more WWF no, Monday no, Night No, you don't have to ask this question <laughs> about this specific episode. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't have to, but I thought I would. Uh, I watched this week's Raw. <laughs> Okay, uh, so, just out so, of like know. a sort of academic curiosity. Sure, yeah, because I have not been watching Raw for the last you know handful of weeks. Certainly not me. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, <laughs> I don't know. It's fine. It's weird. Vince McMahon's gone, but he wants to come back to the, like that was a news story that just came out today. He's telling the board, "Hey, by the way, I still own like a bunch of the stock, so I want to come back and then sell this company myself." And they're like, uh, "We'd love to sell the company, but we don't really want you helping out with that." It's it's fun time. Everything's great over at WWE. This is not this is not that episode. You take. <laughs> It's, that not to that a different podcast. it's not that episode. You're right. Um, this episode, the Usos, uh, who are Samoan, who who are related to Roman Reigns, who is related to The Rock, who's related to uh, Yokozuna, who we did talk about on the, the pilot episode. Um, 
they came they're they're called the bloodline now and they uh they came to invade raw because they are usually on smackdown the other show wait we're, this still isn't connected to mash in any way i thought no, you were going to tie this all to, back it's connected to raw like, oh i, I watch <laughs> when i said we can't talk about this take it to another podcast i meant all of wrestling oh absolutely not, not. specifically uh, anyway. the sales sale of wwe <laughs> anyway it's fine i i AEW is better right now uh but it's it, wwe is in a better place now than it certainly than it was um in that pilot episode of raw all right let's move on to mash and make pierce happy mash yes. first aired september 17th 1972 on cbs it was created by larry gelbart uh, what is, there was something else that Larry Gilbert did that uh, I wanted to add. Let me let me get that name back in here. What did he do? Put, put it in the Magic Eight Ball here. Uh, he was a co-writer of the Broadway musical A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, and also okay. uh, City of Angels. So uh, you know he's done some stuff, but he helped to to bring Mash to television. But MASH uh, did not start as a TV show, and we'll we'll discuss more of its origins here in a bit. But MASH, the television show, starred Alan Alda as Captain Benjamin Franklin Hawkeye Pierce. We're really just going to call him Hawkeye or Hawkeye Pierce. Um, not Pierce. It all... That would be confusing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, sorry. This, the you're, one you're episode where that would be confusing. <laughs> you're absolutely right. We'll just call him Hawkeye uh, in deference to you. Uh, the lesser Pierce. Uh, it also starred Wayne Rogers as Captain Trapper John Francis Xavier McIntyre, mostly just known as Trapper John. Uh, McLean Stevenson as Lieutenant Colonel Henry Braymore Blake, Lieutenant Blake. Uh, Larry Linville as Major Franklin Delano Marion Frank Burns. We'll just call him Frank Burns. The names Burns. are just <laughs> yeah, I don't know ridiculous. why they went to. Uh, I mean, I, military titles themselves are ridiculous, but to yeah. add the middle name. It, possibly I two mean, middle names to each of them. We'll also talk about how long the show went on the air. I'm sure there were episodes about people's full names or, or just like something about that had to come out because there there was a lot of fun nickname stuff uh, that's also on here as well. Uh, like Loretta Swit playing as Major Margaret J. Hot Lips Houlihan. I always want to say Oh Houlihan after saying Hot Lips, but that's, Same here, that's, not, yeah. that's not what it is. It's just Houlihan. Um, and, and lastly, you know, there's there's certainly more people on this show, but um, of the main main cast, Gary Berghoff uh, as corporate Walter Eugene Radar O'Reilly, who we will just call Radar. Um, he is the only person in the cast who reprised his role from the movie MASH. Um, but we will talk about that as we talk about the movie. And Pierce, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about how this show came together? Yeah, this is a show that was based on a movie, which was based on a book. Um, all three, all, all three, the, the show, the movie and the book came out in pretty quick succession. Um, yeah, the movie was 70. Yeah, 1972 is when the TV show is, 1970 was the movie, uh, and 1968 is the, the book. Um, even though this is all during the Vietnam era, uh, this was based on the Korean War. Um, I'm sure that people read that book and watched the movie and watched the show and found a lot of parallels to their life then, uh, mm -hmm. I would think. I don't know. I wasn't there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so the, the movie... <laughs> the movie um, was made by Robert Altman. I've never seen it, but you have. 
I did. I watched it before watching the pilot episode because um, I, I I don't know. I felt like I needed to do something more and I wasn't going to yeah. read a book. That's for damn sure. No. Um, no. I loved the movie. I had a great time. It is from from watching the one episode of the show, which, again, is the only episode I've seen. You've seen lots more MASH than I have. Uh, so so you might be able to tell me whether this continues to track. But the the movie does kind of feel episodic in in that it is here's a thing that happens and now we kind of move on and here's another thing that happens and now we kind of move on not not necessarily that it gets to a status quo but it does feel like hey this is a chunk that we could just take out and and make a tv show for um so yeah. I, I have you seen any other robert altman films i i don't know See, I I know I haven't. I know he's supposed to be this revered director, and like, listen, we're not experts on TV, even though we have this dumb podcast. Certainly not experts on movies. (laughs) Um, So, like, I'm sorry that this is a part of my. uh, It's absent from my own knowledge base, but um, I, from my understanding, is Robert Altman does a lot of these big ensemble movies, and the style that you're describing is kind of throughout his filmography but it does probably translate well to a tv show where it's episodic and it has these contained stories yeah i'm looking through his filmography now and and no i have not seen any of these movies maybe i should see kansas city because that's in my state yeah you sure Um, what do you think kansas city's about pierce you have a guess the mob um it's an American crime film. Yes. Altman, <laughs> starring Jennifer Jason Lee. I feel like Kansas City now is known for the Chiefs and barbecue. But when like our parents were growing up, it was like mafia town number three behind New York and Chicago. Yeah. I mean, I know you don't care, but the show Ozark uh, deals a lot with the KC mob. Yeah, so yeah, that's true. It yeah. might be. It it's might not that I don't care about Ozark. I just think it's a boring show. Yeah. For when I mean, you just write off that episode, you guys can skip that episode because I'm just going to shit on it. It's um, no Patrick Mahomes, I suppose. <laughs> it's no Patrick Mahomes. Anyway, the the 1970 movie was a commercial and critical success. It won the Palme d'Or at Cannes. It was called something else before that. It wasn't called the Palme d'Or at the time. Um, it made a lot of money. It made, I think I wrote in here, made something like 90 million in its first year. Maybe that was over its lifetime. Um, but it was a hugely successful film and the book 31, itself 31 million against a budget in its first year against a budget of okay. 3 million. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it, it did well. And, uh, and the, and the book itself in 1968 was also a success. Uh, it was co-written by WC Hines, who was this famous sports writer at the time. He wrote a book with Lombardi right around the same time as well. Um, the book is, is kind of interesting because it was written by a guy named Richard Hooker. And that was a pen name for, heister richard hornberger jr i think heister is how you say his first name i wonder well, why he hooker. went by a pen name I, I can't imagine um so hooker was a, a surgeon in a mash unit in um during the korean war and once he got back stateside um he like met up with some of his old buddies from the war and realized that they had some good times and there was some material here um all of these doctors who were drafted to these units for the Korean War were civilians. This was a draft system. This wasn't um, career soldiers or anything like that. So a lot of them were out of their element. A lot of them were in their 20s. Um, a lot of them didn't have advanced surgical training. So there's a lot of 
flying by the seat of your pants. There's also a lot of downtime during the war. Uh, they'd have like Robert Hooker or Richard Hooker said um, that he would have 10 or 10 days off or a week off where they were doing nothing. They were playing cards. They were reading. They were just goofing off. And then there would be a, a push and there are all these casualties that get flown in and it'd be very hectic for that short period of time. And they did a lot of surgery. So it kind of, it makes for a dark comedy in some ways because there's a lot of young people sitting around like a summer camp for a week at a time. And then uh, some very serious, heavy moments where you're dealing with death and you're confronting Mm -hmm. this war where Americans probably didn't need to be there. It's, you know, this is after world war two going into one of these, one of the first wars where it felt American exceptionalism was at its prime, but it also felt like, Wait, are, is this going to was do it as its prime? Have you watched the news today? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, what I'm saying is that like we're coming out of World War II, where we were thought of ourselves as the good guys, and we go to Korea thinking we can fix this part of the world. And yeah. so there's a lot of jadedness both in the show, and I have never read the book, so I don't know about that. But um, you know, fast forward 20 years later, Korean War was in the early 50s, early 70s are happening. This book is very popular the movie is very popular the show is very popular and vietnam is is raging around so um i think they're how this show happened super popular war i think how this show happened was one it had successful and i i'm remiss to call them ips but there was a ip there in that well uh, a book that sold pretty well a movie that did really well and it was easy to i'm sure some tv executives saw Oh, yeah, something you could connect to and, and relate to. Yeah. That, that, it, because you've probably already read the book or you've probably already watched the movie. Yeah. You've at least heard of it. Yeah. And you've certainly are aware of the happenings in Vietnam. So it, it looks like something that you're going to relate to, even if you weren't necessarily alive or remember the Korean War. Yeah. Um, it was part of like the MASH cinematic universe, the MCU, if you will. The, yeah, of course. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Were you thinking of this beforehand? No. You didn't write this down not. in the notes. You saved I'm that very, joke for yourself. I'm just very clever. <laughs> Um, so, uh, like I said, I haven't seen the, I haven't seen the book or the movie. My knowledge is basically reruns like you. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think it was ever on Nick at night, but I remember it being on TV land a lot. Um, and I would watch it with my mom. I, I probably saw, you know, over the course of my lifetime before rewatching this one episode, maybe 40 episodes. So it's not a ton. There's 256 episodes. Of they made a lot. Uh, they, made, they made a lot. They made more mash. Uh, the, they made mash over a longer period of time than the Korean War took uh, by a lot, by like four times. Yeah, this is like the Simpsons and Bart never ages, except exactly. For the exactly. Korean War never ends. Um, yeah. Uh, anything else you want to add about that, uh, about the movie or the book? Uh, the, the movie has Elliot Gould as, mm-hmm. as Trapper John. And I think he does a great job. In fact, he kind of runs away with the whole movie, in my opinion. Um, I believe Robert Duvall is, uh, Frank Burns and he also does, does a pretty good job. Um, it's, it's a good movie. I, I just had a great time. I should watch it. Yeah, it's, well. it, I mean, it's, it's mash, but it's, it, it just, I don't know. I I really had a good time. There's a, I, I think the ending's a little bit weird. They, they, uh, uh, 
stop they, they just kind of get out of korea there for a bit and are like oh let's play a friendly exhibition football match against a different unit um that that is basically hey we just want to get out of korea for a little bit what if we yeah. what if we uh you know goad this other unit into playing a football game um but that's like the last quarter to third of the movie is hey we're doing this football game and it feels very much like wait a minute i thought we were supposed to be a mash unit in korea and now we've turned into a football <laughs> movie all of a sudden um but yeah it's more american than that time it's uh it it was a really fun movie i I enjoyed it quite a bit which uh here here's the problem pierce with how we do this uh similar to watching watchmen and then watching one episode of the boys i'm going to have an opinion (laughs) that the movie is better than the show because i got to see a complete movie and one episode of a tv show it's going to be very unfair Uh, i like the show but it is going to be unfair there is a, a book critic, I think, I can't, and I'll, I'll have to look this up while you're talking at some point. There was a book critic that once said that what determines whether or not someone likes a book is the type of uh, dinner they ate sort of thing, mm-hmm. meaning that like, yeah. so many different things influence why we like certain pieces of media and art. Totally. I think it's or, important or you that you're like the the Bond one is like your your favorite James Bond is the one you saw when you were a kid. Like sure, it, yes. it, it all feels a little arbitrary on what you like on any given occasion. That's right. That's why the world is not enough is the best Bond film. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. But my, my point being in that, like, I think it's important for us to go into these episodes and go into the shows establishing context for the listeners what our knowledge base is so the fact that i haven't seen the movie and then i watched this with my mom growing up is going to i'm going to have very different opinions about this show than you are and i think that's fine yeah uh you should watch the uh the aaron sorkin uh being the ricardo's movie before we watch i love lucy uh, to put yourself in a similar that movie is so long it is it's, it's I, bad. Here, I don't know how I don't know how here, it got nominated. Here's the thing, things. Pierce. One, I love I love Lucy. And two, I have a very uh, love hate relationship with Aaron Sorkin in that I love him. And I also hate the fact that I love him. Yeah, uh, I know. You really Ricardo's fucking sucks. It's yeah, <laughs> a bad. terrible movie. Uh, so so as the guy who likes both of those things uh, and, and J.K. Simmons, J.K. Simmons is in a movie. I love J.K. Simmons. One of my favorites. That that movie's hot garbage. It's bad. <laughs> so bad. Uh, oh shit. Chase, why don't you give yes. me a synopsis of the first episode of of Mash? Yeah, since uh, since you're the Mash expert here, uh, we thought it'd be more funny if I, I never was the one to you do said the that. synopsis. Your words, not mine. Well, you've watched more than one episode of the show, so okay, of the two of us, you're the mesh expert. Uh, <laughs> God help us all. <laughs> show, uh, like we said, the show takes place at a mobile army hospital in Korea in 1950. Oh, I guess that's a thing we should do. Uh, what does mesh stand for, Pierce? Mobile army... Uh, surgical surgical hospital there you go um <laughs> hawkeye is trying to get the korean boy hojan uh, that's working in their camp accepted into an american college he gets a letter from the dean of his alma mater saying that they'd accept hojan as long as uh as long as hawkeye and trapper or whoever is able to fly him there and also provide a thousand dollars for tuition to get that money, Hawkeye and Trapper decide to put on an unauthorized all-you-can-drink party and raffle off a weekend trip to Tokyo along with the company of a quote-unquote gorgeous nurse. Uh, 
also known as Lieutenant Dish, um, who every time I saw her on screen, I kept thinking, is this a young Lily Tomlin? Because uh, she she has that look in in hmm. one angle and then you look at her again and go, no, that's not her. That's no way. And then she speaks and you're like, no, that might be and like, ah, it's so hard. Um, I love Lily Tomlin. So that was also something that was happening with me. Um, <laughs> uh, I think she's a bit old for me, but uh, I still love her all the same. Age is uh, just a social contract. <laughs> with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Blake visiting the brass in Seoul, the super tight ass Frank Burns uh, is left in charge and being at odds with Trapper and Hawkeye, he attempts to just cancel the whole party but hawkeye secretly sedates frank and the party is back on uh major hot lips houlihan calls up the general uh, who is with uh colonel blake in seoul uh and to get him to shut down the party when she can't find frank and just as the general is ready to arrest hawkeye and trapper a large rush of injured men from canada i believe uh yeah. like Canadian men, not Canadian they didn't soldiers, fly. Yeah. They didn't fly a bunch of injured Canadians into Korea just to go to Vancouver hospitals are overloaded. <laughs> Send them to Korea. It's faster. Yeah. Um, God. Um, so this large rush of injured men come in and everyone has to put their differences aside and help in surgery, including the general. So, um, as for the raffle that was going on, we we kind of know that Hawkeye has this whole thing rigged from the beginning. We assume that it's going to be him who wins the trip because he's the one who uh, Lieutenant Dish kind of likes and he likes no, her. He, no, a... it's uh, he love bombs her. Yeah. And he like sneaks into her room at night. It's very uh, he, bad. It's he, very baby. It's cold outside. It is. It 100% is. But also she's. Like she goes along with this idea because she's like, "Are you sure that it's not going to be with some weirdo?" And he's, he's yeah. like, "Yeah, it's a yeah, nice little we'll, twist. We'll make sure." And and we keep thinking as the audience, "Well, it's going to be with him because, uh, you know, she can at least tolerate him, um, and and he's big into her." Uh, but it turns out that there's a surprise twist, a surprise twist, and the winner is actually Father John, uh, which Dish will be fine with because he won't try anything because of. I don't know, the Lord or whatever. His the, celibacy. I, sure. I, hey, I'm not the I think, most religious yeah. man. I don't know, like, which which religious people can fuck and which uh, uh, decide they can't. So I, I just kind of <laughs> like, oh, he's a man of God. He ain't going to do nothing. But we could dedicate another episode to that. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know. So I think that little twist at the end is also, you know, to t- bring it back to the beginning as well. Hawkeye Pierce and Trapper John are these like buffoons with a heart of gold and also happen to be good soldiers. Like, yes, he does. The Hawkeye does sneak into her tent a lot and mm-hmm. does all these things, but, and that those are all bad. I'm, I'm saying they're all bad, but at the end, like the twist, this kind of sweetness at the end where it's like, no, I know that you don't want to go with me. Here's father John. Now right. they're, they're not, John. they're not assholes. They're, they're just, uh, you know, a little, a little rapscallion, ish yeah uh, the rapscallion is is a good word yeah yeah uh they will they they know that they're good at their job and they know that the army needs them so that gives them some insulation for their antics a little leverage Um, yeah like even at one point even one point they're like tell me why i shouldn't just lock you up right now it's like well um bunch of canadians coming in and um you're gonna be fucked without us so i think you might as well let us help out it's also messed up that they know that the canadians will be coming in like later on in the night and they have uh, a party with gin and everyone's drinking <laughs> like, hey man, hey, it's the fifties, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um, so yeah. Okay. That's a, 
great summation of it. Um, what did you think of the episode overall? Uh, I enjoyed it. I, I had a good time. Um, I'll tell you, I was uh, away from my computer or from my main computer uh, and my main internet when I first watched it, so I had to watch a uh, a like a a 240p rip uh, <laughs> which was not the best way to watch that that's the 1972 uh, I, way to watch it basically uh, i think it might have been worse than that um <laughs> but then i then i watched it on hulu afterward um which which had much better quality but ads don't like i ads. know um this world uh, yeah i had a good time there was uh, i think the the characters uh, are all still there they're all still um really well realized even compared to the movie. Um, in fact, especially compared to the movie, because it, it feels like, yes, they're different actors playing these guys, but for the most part, they, they have kept their personalities. They've kept a lot of their quirks um, in, in the form of radar O'Reilly exactly the same. Cause he's the same guy, he <laughs> like, is, literally, yeah. literally the same actor. Um, so uh, I do want to mention this this show has the best theme song that we've heard yeah, in Johnny any of our pilot Mandel. program. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. Suicide is painless. Although, interesting enough, uh, the movie plays the full song with lyrics. The TV show, uh, weird that CBS didn't want to just have a theme song that says suicide is painless. <laughs> um, I mean, they're fine with calling a guy spear chucker. Totally OK. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> even though, you know what? Uh, yes yes some weird race stuff we continue our our streak of weird race stuff um, in, i mean when you're examining episodes. these pieces of culture from the 70s and 80s and 90s like you're going to come across it and i think it's important that we mention it uh yeah. we understand that like you can't necessarily judge these artifacts by today's standards even though we will <laughs> and i don't want to i don't want to let them off the hook because you still yeah, exactly. absolutely could have changed the name of that character but at least in this first episode and even in the movie it's never mentioned in a way that is meant to be derogatory it's just oh that's the guy's name which is yeah. bad enough it's bad enough it's that, so oh that's the guy's name and that's what we call him but it's it's not it's like it's not like they're throwing slurs at him it's no it's he's just he's a surgeon he is uh he's played by timothy brown who was a former um running back for the eagles in the 60s went to super bowl three that was his last game looked it up uh went to three pro bowls also uh and, and he like Timothy Brown is sports also, podcast Pierce. Yeah. <laughs> Timothy Brown is also in the movie, but he doesn't play Spirit Tucker Jones in it. He yeah. plays someone else, apparently. Um, I, I don't remember who, but sure, no, I believe it. Yeah, some minor character. But uh, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 theme song is really good. I think it's funny in in this first episode. Um, it opens on uh, a title card that says Korea 1950, and then underneath it, it says 100 years ago. That's and very funny. It's very funny to me, and it also it's very important to me now, thinking like, okay, the people that are watching this show in 1972 are probably think 20 years ago was 100 years ago. Sure. Um, because even though like you're, you're kind of engaged in another war where we probably don't need to be there and things, I mean, you've gone through the 60s, so you've had this dramatic social change within the country. So, of course, 1950 seems like a million years ago but for us now like does 
2003 seemed like 100 years ago. I mean, I had one of my friends just say, hey, do you remember uh, Yellow Card's Ocean Avenue? And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, that that song is uh, old as fuck. And you're like, God damn, you're right. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, to to a certain extent, like anything that feels like it's from the 90s feels like it's from a billion years ago at this point yeah. to me. I guess so. It does. It, I just thought it was interesting because to me, I and even knowing the civil rights movement, even knowing um, the JFK assassination, even like being a huge fan of Mad Men and mm-hmm. ha- having felt like I lived through the 60s through that show in some ways, <laughs> the difference between 1972 and 1950 doesn't seem all that dramatic to me looking back on it Mm -hmm. and that put me into the context of of the viewer of of the 1972 uh, a viewer in 1972 watching this show um right away but yeah also i I think you get um like you have it depends on the moments that happen in the world I, i think when you have something like these wars that happen, uh, you know, not back to back, but within what, 20, 20 ish years of each other, um, it starts to feel like you, you kind of just make moments like here's the, the easy one for me They're is, markers, you, yeah. you know, there's, there's COVID-19. Like ever there's sure. for me, there's two time periods. There's pre COVID and there's post COVID and anything that happened in the before time, that was a billion years ago. Well, to me, and... there's three periods. There's, Pre nine eleven and post nine eleven, sure, and then and, and that was also going to be my point is that uh, you know it, it, I I kind of feel like nine eleven at this point now that we have like another one of these markers like nine eleven that would have been you know a, a thousand years ago of course uh, that was so long ago compared to COVID which is the new marker that we all look at right and and he's like yeah it's like really only. 20 years uh, so yeah. it's it's actually not that far away it's it's about the same period as this um and and that uh you know that that is the weird thing to me is i can see how that that feels like if somebody said 9 11 100 sure. years ago on a title card i'd i'd laugh and go yep that feels about yeah. right <laughs> you're right because it, yeah 22 years might not to me seem like as great of a gap between those two things but that's because the the mile marker that you're talking about happened two years before that and but if if you you know if we watched a movie of something that was filmed in 2000 and it was someone going to an airport it would feel like 100 years ago because the protocols have changed so much anyway this is a a a long tangent to say that the opening is handled with them playing golf them reading them joking around and then the helicopters come in and that's when the theme song plays in the background mm-hmm. of that opening scene there's like jaunty kind of happy music <laughs> yeah it's, and it's, it's kind of a cold open in, in a way yeah yeah that's true yeah because it, the bits and i put it in quotes bits there's there's a laugh track to some of the jokes and even though there's it's just like the laugh track's really word. interesting we should we should discuss the laugh track at, at some point but the uh the first thing that happens after the the theme song once the show kind of gets started is they do this monologue. I don't know if they did monologues at any other point in the show uh, or if that's really just remember. something to help with the setup. Maybe during... So another weird thing that later on is that MASH is sort of divided into two eras. Um, the first one, I think, is until like 1975 or so when um, the, the original showrunners were running it and then Al Nalda got more power and was more popular and he kind of took over in that later half and that's more like... The, the dramatic years so mm-hmm. the first half is more comedy years the second half is more dramatic years so there could be some 
monologues in that second half, but I don't really remember. Again, I've only seen a couple episodes since I watched it as a kid, so mm-hmm. maybe I'm wrong. Well, I mean, there's there's certainly no monologue in the movie, so the the movie, okay. but the movie has more time to let you get those ideas. Uh, whereas the show, like, okay, we need to get people up to speed on on what's happening here pretty quickly. So uh, it, you mentioned in your notes that it's kind of corny, and I agree. But I also think it's very effective for what the show is trying to do to get you in that frame of mind. Um, there's there's he's he's writing to his dad. This is a this is a monologue that's a letter to his father, um, his, his father, to his father. Correct. Sorry. Thank you. Alan Alda's character, um, where I guess his father said he it sounded a little uh, what was the word callous um, about something was, like that, something yeah. like that. Start with a C. Um, that that he sounded a little, you know, kind of uh, nonchalant about his job and like maybe he should be taking more pride in it. And the monologue is is about how, you know, hey, we're, we're playing par golf here on this course. Yeah. Like we are we are not here to get somebody to 100 percent again. We're here to patch them up as best we can to keep them alive and then send them on to somebody else who can who can do the job better or to get them back out there. You know, those, those that's basically what we do. We're we're not here to to do fine little detail work. We're we're hitting things with a hammer more or less to try to yeah. to try to just keep keep people alive. Like we're that's our that's our job, but being that we have so many people and they come in these big pushes, we need to just it, it's not about doing the job perfectly. It's about doing the job effectively. And that's that's how he sees the job. And I think that helps to really establish his frame of reference, his frustration in. Yeah, we're not I'm not doing the best medical work of my life here. Um, I might be doing the most important medical work of my life, but I'm not doing the the best job I can because I just have to try to play par. Yeah. And it's, and it's definitely transition. there's no preventative medicine happening here. This is sure emergency services every single day. So you start with that, like they they basically start the show in the surgery tent and and there's no laughter in the surgery tent. Uh, That is something interesting with the laugh track is that originally the showrunners said we don't want a laugh track at all. And CBS is like, eh, audiences are stupid. You got to give them a laugh track so they know <laughs> when to laugh. Um, and then they decided, OK, we'll compromise. We will we'll have a laugh track outside of the surgery tent. But when somebody's in there doing surgery, we don't we don't want laughter in there. It's going to sound weird. They still make jokes in in the surgery room, but they just don't have a laugh track to go along with it. And I think it I think it makes for an effective uh, presentation compromise yeah yeah I think i'd, works, I'd rather yeah. them have no laugh track at all yes but i i think having it not in the tent is a is a good compromise that ends up being pretty effective in the way they do the show anyway so it it really helps to juxtapose hey we've just had this surgery scene that is pretty serious we hear the monologue you you kind of get his frustration and you understand his mindset and then when he comes out of surgery it's it's uh it's Hawkeye, it's Trapper, and Frank kind of comes behind them and, and gives them an earful because he's not too happy with them. Um, then they then they turn on the humor of, mm-hmm. hey, you know, we have to laugh about this because like, this whole situation The only way to get through sucks. the day. Yeah, totally. exactly. We don't want to be here. This isn't something we signed up for. We're just doing our time. We're doing our duty. And yeah, exactly. They're, 
I think what you said earlier also about the characters being realized is very true. That Frank is is also a draftee and is also a civilian surgeon, but has sort of um, realized that this lifestyle fits him. He likes the strict hierarchy of the military. He's mm-hmm. a rule follower. He's someone who is a little bit of like a teacher's pet in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and importantly, he's a religious man. He's, he's a man of faith. He uh, has a Bible. He's reading it. And and I I don't know if the show writers are really trying this. It, it's something that maybe I was attributing it to uh, attributing to it, to it. But it felt like here are the two different ways that somebody could cope with the the high stress and frustration of this job. One of them is to be like Trapper and Hawkeye and laugh about it and, and have that dark humor. And the other side is is more like Frank, who is, uh, you know, seeking that comfort in his faith. And I feel like the show is just the way they portray the characters of Frank's a curmudgeon who we all laugh at and Frank's just a a mean old guy that they're trying to say we think the humor and I mean, they're comedy writers, so maybe maybe this is an easy comparison to think of. But they they're trying to say we think humor is the better the better way to go here than religion. Yeah, I I think there's more of a spectrum than that. Specifically, I think of someone like. um... Uh, Colonel Blake, who is this, who's supposed to be the commanding officer of this mass unit and is sort of aloof, is ditzy. He's probably, there's almost, there's almost an element that he's just like this plant from the military to run the ship, but he, he knows that he, he can't really affect that much change and he's sort of mm-hmm. just accepted his middle management. Um, yeah, he's not lifestyle. like full on Michael Scott, but I think he no. realizes he, he's not going any higher. And this is kind of his lot in life. And, yeah. and that can be fine. I can wear my fishing bucket hat uh, while I command this this uh, yeah. camp. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he's kind of I don't think he represents either the, that binary. And I don't think someone like Radar does as well. Radar is certainly more. I don't know what Radar represents. Well, I think Radar operates by his own code. So Radar, is, you, you say you said on here that he may be on the spectrum in some yeah, ways where he's the notes, savant. Yeah, in my notes, because it just for me and I did try to look up some stuff to see, uh, you know, it's it's mostly just fan theory stuff. But yeah. uh, some people are thinking that there's like an Asperger's or autistic bent to him in some of the, the things that his character does, because he has like a some slightly supernatural stuff in the show where he hears <laughs> he the can helicopters before yeah, he, anybody else. He, he has anticipates like what Blake. <laughs> yeah, he anticipates what Blake wants even before he wants it. And maybe that's just a, a bit of being overly prepared. But it comes off as this guy's like supernaturally gifted in in just knowing stuff. Um, but and, and it also kind of makes him feel like a bit of a rule follower as well in that, OK, he's he's so well prepared that he's taking care of all these jobs even before somebody had to ask him. He's that much into the military. And then also he helps into helps sedate uh, Frank Burns as the party's going on. And he he has Blake sign the the forms the that passes, allow for the yeah. weekend passes to, to Tokyo, which is the raffle. And so he has like a bit of a mischievous streak in, streak in him, too. And I finally came to the point, like, I, I don't know if the spectrum thing is really fair or if that's what anybody was even thinking of as they wrote him. But 
he does seem like he's a bit of a people pleaser in whoever he's talking to. He just wants to make no, them happy. See, I think you're wrong on this one as well. Like, okay. I, I think I think you're right. Like, maybe there. I mean, neurodiversity probably wasn't a hot topic in 1972. Uh-huh. I mean, we're um, calling a guy spear checker. I don't think uh, subtlety was on the, the yeah. menu. And side note, they wrote spear checker's character off the show five episodes later. Um, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, the showrunners were like, "There are no sur- there are no black surgeons in Korea," which is a lie. That's a and, that's a weird reason to write. That yep, they're like, "Oh, it's off. not realistic." <laughs> yeah, this comedy with Alan Alda as a surgeon is not realistic. Okay. Um, so just like Spirit Trucker and Timothy Brown himself is just a victim of blatant racism and, yeah. did, and missed out on uh, a lot of money, frankly, uh, but just appearances on the show. Anyway, um, Radar, to me, operates on his own code, which is that's what makes him fascinating is that he he's almost someone who is dedicated to this like. Uh, this what's, what's it called when, when you're like uh, trying to get the net positive of good? What's it like utilitarianism? Is that what utilitarianism is? Uh, you might be speaking on a higher level of authority. Uh, than I, than I know, but here. I probably sound like an idiot to anyone who actually knows what this <laughs> is. But he like he unlike Hawkeye and Trapper John, who they they're going to do their job to the best of their abilities, and they're going to save lives, and they're gonna they're gonna f- basically not do the minimum, but do the minimum within the military in that, like, you, you brought me here to save lives. I'm just going to save lives. Everything else is my own accord. I'm going to goof off. Yeah, gonna they're going to get the job done, it. but they're going to yeah. do it their way. And whereas someone like, um, you know, Frank is the opposite. He's going to do he's he's adopted the entire identity of the military man. And he's going to respect authority and he's going to try to climb the ranks. Um where Radar is is almost aware that there's value on both sides and picks and chooses where he thinks it, it works. I don't think he's a people pleaser necessarily because he, I mean, he still sedates Frank Burns against his will. Yeah, but he's already sedated at that point. So, you know, there's there, there's no consequence to him continuing to sedate him. That's just keeping him in the good grace. I mean, again, you're the you're the quote unquote expert here. Uh, who's, Stop who's saying watched that. every episode of Mash. Uh, I'm I'm here having watched one episode and and a movie, so I I totally could be wrong. I just the perspective I got from this one episode is, hey, he's trying to to do everything Blake wants him to do, and then as soon as Blake's out of the picture and and uh, Trapper and Hawkeye are kind of more the authority, he's now doing everything they want him to do, uh, and then the general gets here and he's doing anything the general wants him to do so sure. that's how i kind of saw as the people pleaser uh but i could totally see that i i might be wrong upon uh further viewing of of subsequent episodes um i think going back to frank burns the yeah. this religious strict like goody two-shoes character i think what makes him more palatable is that he has a partner in crime in hot li- hot lips yeah um and that she herself is also follows the rules she has a little history in the military because she knows the general personally i think mm-hmm. they like dated or they had some sexual they, relationship they had some kind of relationship that gets some shown flame. in a flashback yeah. here yeah um so she she can kind of uh work in, t- in tandem with um uh frank sorry the names confuse me after a while um yeah you're the expert so <laughs> and that like it can be I mean, 2v2 she... 
Like, yeah, but also like she kind of I feel like she's kind of there to show that Frank isn't this completely infallible guy like they he has his own vice and it's that he's like they're like they're, there's even the joke of like watching watching Hawkeye try to get with dish all this different times and they're watching from a different tent and going oh that's despicable and then they start making out so yeah, like they yeah. they are not free from sin either but <laughs> uh like they feel like they are higher and mightier or have like a moral high ground from everybody else which which lets them uh you know still still compete on that level yeah but yeah, you're right. I think there is, there is definitely a 2v2 of, hey, I, I at least it's not just me against both of you. I have at least somebody who's on my side who is is going to continue being a foil uh, for you guys throughout the, the course of the show. In, in fact, really throughout the course of the show, she she's on like every episode except for like yeah, five. She's yeah, three she's or on five 251, or like I think. And it, so she's not in two um, or five yeah what how many was it 256 or 253 Doesn't i don't know it, it might be a two. lot more than 250 yeah. yeah um yeah which is it'll be kind of interesting when we get to the legacy of the show like who stuck around and who didn't mm-hmm. uh, i did think it was weird um the the nickname hot lips which is very funny but it's great because um, <laughs> it's but, it's used like it's revealed well you're gonna say it's revealed accidentally by the general yeah. at the end of the episode but it's not though it's it's already been blown because the there's a, a dance going on during the the party that before the general has gotten there, and oh I didn't so, I must so Hawkeye's not dancing that. with Dish and oh, okay. Hot Lips comes in to be like where's Frank why is this party going on none of this should be going on and he goes like oh relax Hot Lips and and she storms off and then the general gets there and when the general first sees her he goes hot lips and everybody kind of looks around and goes hot lips yeah like, well, oh okay i missed that the, to be I missed the reveal that oh, but they've yeah. already done the reveal before that happens i think it would have been a lot funnier maybe it was just something that ended up kind of getting cut in a in a weird way um, yeah the script supervisor missed it or something yeah but like oh that's such a that's such a missed opportunity because that would have been the great reveal that we call her this because the general called her this one time yeah uh, instead yeah. of having no reason to call her that other than we're dicks and we just call people by dumb nicknames um yeah. interesting in the movie there's uh, a scene where Frank and and uh, and Hot Lips are getting together. Uh, Hulahan, she was not known as Hot Lips at this point. Uh, yes. They've gotten together. There's uh, you know some hanky panky going on in one of the tents, <laughs> and the the rest of the crew sneak the microphone uh, under into the tent, so all of their dirty talk is being broadcast to the whole camp, and that is when Frank calls her Hot Lips, and that is why they end up calling her Hot Lips for the rest of the movie, which is a fantastic reveal. Uh, You're okay. not going to do a, a sex scene necessarily in in the in the episode on the TV show. I get that, but man, I felt like they had a great chance to make a reveal with the. Gen- and they kind of waste it by saying it literally five minutes earlier and it, it bugged the hell out of me i it's something that you only care about when you watch one episode of the show and not 200 episodes of the show where no, it but just I like, doesn't matter it's attention to detail and i yeah. i appreciate that because i i missed it I, to me i was just watching the party yeah. swirl. um i, I think another, i also what's that there was another moment that was kind of weird to me. Uh, the show, the production wise, other than, you know, the laugh track is played is played pretty straight. 
there is one moment though when they get back to the to their tent hawkeye and trapper from from doing that that big night of surgery and frank is also a part of their tent as well and frank comes in and sees them trying to like steal his money to to be a part of the the party and he decides that well we need to get rid of you know all the salacious shit that you have here these these photos of these naked women uh he calls the place a brothel and then he picks up their gin still and there is the the most off kilter weird wang 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 yeah. uh, cartoonish <laughs> sound effect that plays very Gilligan's and, Island yeah uh, it absolutely is yeah. and it happens nowhere else in the show uh, except when he drops the gin still and now it's like this ceramic pottery smash that would think is completely incongruous with what actually got dropped and I was like where are these two sound effects coming from because nothing else has that in in this episode as as the expert pierce who's watched every episode uh do you remember hearing any other sound effects is this something no, they go back this to at some point this isn't something i would have noticed as a kid and, <laughs> okay fair uh, i right. probably like i all the shows that i was watching as a 10 year old had these sound effects in them whether yeah. they were animated or not yeah fair enough um i think i also want to mention hojan uh is played by an actor Patrick Adiarte, who's Filipino, not Korean. Um, I, not I know that's like, again, <laughs> uh, this is what you said. Like, we can't let him off the hook. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's just kind of something. But when they're um, raising money for him, they let him know about the college. The, uh, the dean who's writing back says that he looked at Hojan's uh, transcript and it fits their yeah, requirements. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which like they they give him a little bit more. He's not just some poor Korean boy that they're sending over there. Like he's relatively educated. And and then when he's standing up and he's like, "How do I thank you?" Hawkeye says, um, "You just go back there and be the best possible you you can be," which I thought was so sweet and so um, genuine and also just it's like a sentence that you would hear now like there's something sort of timeless about that where they're doing they're doing a good deed for this kid that they believe in and they don't expect anything in return they don't even need a thank you for it Mm -hmm. and this kind of goes back to like what we were saying at the beginning of the episode about the end of this episode when he's doing the when hawkeye's doing the raffle is that he does he's a very lovable um mischievous person and some of that is just Alan Alda's warmth in general. Sure. Uh, I think he's someone who, when I see on screen, I am happy for. <laughs> I'm happy to be in that room at that mm-hmm. moment because he is someone who you think of, I think of very fondly. And some of it is because of the show, but I think it's just because he's he's an actor that can play um, both sides very well. He can play the the kind of hard ass like standing up to authority while also protecting people that are he's close to. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. He's a great actor. We'll, we'll talk more about his acting exploits here uh, in a bit. Um, speaking of Hojan, I, I just a question again, being the expert here, uh, <laughs> does, is this Hojan's only episode or does he continue to be in the show? Did they I actually thought... send him off to college or? So I thought he was in later episodes. And then I, I guess I haven't seen the pilot in a long time, if at all. Okay. Because I, uh, 
because he is there throughout the movie like he is he's doing he the is. same okay. thing he does in this episode but he does it throughout the movie of oh i'm here to get people drinks and and to kind of serve people and also uh like in the movie he's uh he's being taught how to read uh frank i think is actually the one who's teaching him how to read through the bible uh which the other guys are poking fun at like hey there's probably better reading material out there for you to 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 try to learn to read than this um <laughs> And they also take him to a, a doctor. I can't remember if they take him to a Korean doctor or a Chinese doctor or a Japanese doctor because they kind of go on a, a trip at one point. And the doctor, I, I, it was a weird scene. I felt like the doctor wanted to keep him. Like, like doctor's like, oh, yeah, he what? needs to stay for some tests. And like, no, 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 he should come back with us. And it seemed like they were trying to get him away from the American military. Um, I don't know. That, that was kind of a weird part of the movie to me. Um so this is me vamping quite quite effectively for you as you can. Yeah, to as I look it up. I mean, Hojan that... is also in the book. I, there's something I didn't mention. Um, okay. About the book that I just reminded trying to look up how many episodes he's in. Um, a lot of the characters that are in the book appear in the in the show as well. Same names and everything, and Hojan is in the book. Sure. Um, he's definitely. <laughs> And he's in the pilot episode. He's in an episode later oh, on. Why don't you I vamp? I'll, I'll handle yeah, this. Yeah, why am, why am I having such a difficult time finding this? I um, don't know. You could just type in MASH on IMDb, and it comes up pretty quickly. I, I, oh, I don't like IMDb because there's too many ads, so I usually go to Wikipedia. Uh... <laughs> Wikipedia is very clean, and it shows the filmography. I agree that it's clean, but if you're not getting the answers that you want to get, uh, then you're not going to get it here. Um, um, but yes, so, so I can't remember, like in my memory before, <laughs> before you asked me, actually, I thought he was, uh, in multiple episodes and then I'm watching this episode and they're sending him off to college and I'm like, oh, this is just me, you know, thinking very different things when looking back on a show that I haven't seen in 10 years. Um, but it, it's, it's kind of, uh, you know, Seven looking episodes. back on the, he's in how many? Seven. Seven. Okay, yeah. So not many. I mean, about the same as Spear Trucker at yeah. this point. Like the, it, This is a, a very predominantly white show. I was also wondering, when did they desegregate the military? <laughs> that I can't tell you. What I can military. tell you about is inflation. 1948. It was President <laughs> okay. Shout out to Missouri. Uh, yeah, <laughs> lots of shots out to Missouri in this. Like, yeah, that's where, that's where uh, Blake is from, and it's where yep. some other things happen. And we'll we'll talk about those here in a second. Sure. Uh, I do want to talk about this point of inflation because I thought it was very funny. Um, so they say the dean says he needs a thousand dollars for tuition. <sighs> I saw these numbers in the notes. If uh, we take if we take this as as fact that they are in 1950 Korea. A thousand dollars would equate to twelve thousand three hundred dollars today, and they they uh, are selling ten dollar raffle tickets. Uh, So those would be close to one hundred and twenty dollars for a raffle ticket to this all you can drink thing. That seems like a lot. Uh, So then I had a thought. Okay, maybe this isn't. 1950 money even though it's set in the 1950s the show is set the show was made in 1972 maybe this is 1972 money so just to help an audience 
I don't know. Maybe it's just an easy, easier shorthand for those people. And it gets a little better, I guess. So in 1972 dollars, uh, the tuition would be seven thousand dollars and the, the raffle tickets would be 70 bucks, which still seems high. Uh, I don't know if I'm going yeah. to a 70 dollar raffle um, just to, to drink and maybe get a trip to Japan. I, I don't know. Maybe that's a pretty good deal. I think, I think yeah, the, the trip is a big deal. Like, yeah, you're regardless of lieutenant dish the the fact that you could get two days off yeah in in you're in a war i think that sounds worth uh, throwing seven dollars yeah. in uh, i i just found that funny when they're saying a thousand dollars and it was like a thousand because i was thinking i remember what my tuition was a thousand it, it ain't no a thousand dollars i'll tell you that it's a little, Casey, little you went to college 15 10 years ago <laughs> just over 10 years ago we graduated yeah, we went to the same place it was expensive <laughs> Anyway, uh, do, do should you we think start that was just a semester of college or if that was like a full year of college or is that the entire tuition for the entire time? I don't, know. He had I don't, I don't care enough about this. <laughs> and Hawkeye, he's he's a surgeon. So let's assume he had to go to a medical school. That's even more expensive, right? Listen, there was more social safety nets back then. You mean <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, on that end. <laughs> let's let's start wrapping this up. Uh, I want to okay. talk to you a little bit about the legacy. I'm going to try. I to would buzz love through. to talk about the legacy. Yeah, I'm going to try to buzz through these as fast as possible. Sure. Um, so MASH would air for almost 11 years. Exactly. Uh, it was widely popular throughout it. It had 253 episodes um, and they routine each season routinely averaged between 15 and 21 million viewers per episode. Yeah. This was so, a different era of television. Different era. This is the big, numbers like that. Yeah, <laughs> the big three at that point, right? There's only I'm trying to think when they, I mean, cable television really doesn't come around until late. Yeah, 70s, this, early, this would have mostly 80s, been so. NBC, CBS and, and ABC, right? Yeah. And this ends in, in February, 1983, but even, even so it was doing well. Um, yep. Even with that competition, you know, you talk about it, Later on, its final episode is a two and a half hour television film called Goodbye, Farewell, and Amen. Um, 105 million people watched it uh, in the United States, 120 million people worldwide. It was uh, only the Apollo moon landing, Richard Nixon's resignation speech, and various Super Bowls have eclipsed this, eclipsed this number over the course of uh, even the last you know, 40 years. So, um, it, it was so popular that by the end, like this was this huge event, and I. I've never, I've actually never seen that episode, but I know of its legend because mm -hmm. of how popular it was and how, what a big deal it was. Um, I'm pretty sure that's a longer amount of time than the movie takes <laughs> for for the finale. Oh, really? Of the television oh, yeah. Show. Yeah, the movie's probably the two movie, hours yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh -huh. So I also talked a little bit about the two eras of Mash, uh, the Larry Gelbart, Gene Reynolds era, it's kind of the comedy years, 1972 to 1977, um, and then when. Alan Alda had a lot more control over the show. He started to deal with more serious topics, um, downplayed the comedy a little bit, and tried talking about more social issues. I At mean, that there time, is, though, there is like a famous part in the show uh, where like a guy dies, like one of the one of the main characters uh, dies, like goes like I think it's off screen, like isn't it? He's yeah. fighting. He he goes and gets clipped uh, like outside of the camp. The, the helicopter gets shot down. Right, um, yes. I think that's um, McLean Stevenson, right? Yeah, I think you're right. I think Henry, Henry Blake. Blake's character. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, th so th that second era is known as the, the drama years um, or the dramatic years. 
just kind of something interesting. It, the show did win 11 Emmys over the course of its run. Um, it was nominated for more than 100 of them. So it, it not only was it very popular, it was also very critically acclaimed throughout it. I think it's safe to say that this is one of the biggest sitcoms of all time. Um, sure. More, most important, most popular. Um, MASH did spawn a spinoff because... Listen, they went back to the well. Yeah, you got to let that money <laughs> twice ride, right? with the movie and this TV show. Uh, they spawned a, a show called Aftermash, which followed uh, Colonel Potter, Klinger, and Father John. Uh, you don't see Klinger in this episode, but uh, he's the the guy that's trying to get out of um, the army by uh, acting insane, trying oh, to plead okay. insanity. Cool. Um, yeah, uh, he's a character that he's in a lot of episodes later on. Um, this spinoff after mash ran for two seasons, 31 episodes. Uh, everyone hated it <laughs> in 1999. Time <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It's also, it, sorry. Yeah. It's, it's, Shouts it's set in Riverbend, Missouri. Bend, Missouri. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is, uh, right on the, the Kansas border. Um, yeah, it, in 1999 time magazine called it, uh, one of the 100 worst ideas of the century, which to me seems dramatic, uh, <laughs> Given that this is a century that had two world wars and a lot of different inventions that yeah. accelerated technology. Uh, and like... Pierce, I, I have a bit of a surprise for you. Um, I, there's a there's a worse thing uh, that uh, and it's the other spinoff that Mash tried to do after after Mash. Uh, that's not what it's called. <laughs> it's called Walter, but it's W star A star oh, no. L star T star <laughs> E star uh, R. Um, and it stars uh, Radar, Walter, Walter Eugene, Radar O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. And now this one is set in St. Louis, which is oh. uh, right here where I am. And he uh, <laughs> he's come back and he is is. I guess he had like a farm in Iowa. That's that's where Radar was from. And uh, it sounds like he lost the farm pretty quickly and then came to live with his uh, cousin, maybe. And they're both going to be cops on the on the St. Louis PD. Well, it Um, is Missouri. (laughs) Living with your cousin, um, becoming a cop. (laughs) It's terrible it's on youtube i watched the pilot episode it did not get picked up if you can if you can believe that well there you uh, go it it's so bad it's so weird because at, at one point they say radar and he's like no 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 uh I, you know i was known as radar before but like i'm walter now so they're just like okay so you're trying to get away from mash and then the whole pilot is about some kid who stole his wallet uh and he's like, well, I, I need that wallet back. It's got my MASH picture in it with all my MASH buddies from, you know, MASH, the show I was in. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, wow. So wait, are you trying to get away from the show? Or are you trying to play off the show? What are we doing here? Um, and then the the weirdest thing to me. Um, oh, I'm going to forget her last name. Uh, Victoria. Um, oh, she was on SNL. Victoria Jackson. Uh, Victoria Jackson is kind of the co-star in here and she plays like a love interest for for radar who like works at a at a like soda fountain kind of thing and she's just a weird loud uh like it's it's kind of uh manic pixie dream girl before anybody okay. thought that was a thing <laughs> um 
and she's the best part of the show but also the show is fucking terrible but it's out there on youtube and you can find it if you want to uh so that that's the worst thing that, okay. that mash produced for sure <laughs> time overlooked that one yeah i bet they did um so I guess I'll buzz through some of these the actors as well as fast sure. as I can. There's a lot here. Um, I'm going to stop Alan you Alda. for one. What's that? I'm going to stop you for one of these. Is it Alan Alda? It is Alan, Alan Alda. Okay. Tell me about Alan Alda. Uh, Alan Alda is an EGOT nominated actor. He's not an EGOT winner, but he's no, got... No, I saw that. <laughs> he's got nominations in all four of them, and I think that fucking rules. Uh, he has 34 Emmy nominations. He's a six-time winner, so he does have some Emmys. Mostly for MASH, but he also for uh, playing Senator Arnold Vinnick on The West Wing, uh, Milton Green on 30 Rock, and Alan Fitch on The Blacklist. Cut. Pierce, we need to we need to watch the blacklist at some point for this show. I <laughs> bet eventually. it's I bet it's intolerable. Isn't the guy from Lost in that. Uh, James Spader's in that. Yeah, right? isn't he in, he's is the guy he from Lost. Lost. Yeah, yeah, he'll always be the is guy. Is James Spader in Lost? I can't remember. I <laughs> he's in some watch of a lot of Lost. Uh, oh yeah, that's I think, a show I we think should you do. Right. Yeah. Sure, we could absolutely do Lost. I've got a great story about Lost. Um, he uh, got nominated for a Grammy for his spoken war- word album, Things I Overheard While Talking to Myself, which I believe is just a book that he wrote that he then did the audio book for, and they called He's that a spoken word memoirs, album. Uh, <laughs> too many memoirs. <laughs> that's like you said in your notes. That's too, too many memoirs. <laughs> You're not allowed to do that. Um, he, uh, he got nominated for an Oscar for playing Owen Brewster in The Aviator. And he got nominated for a Tony Award playing Shelley Levine. Levin? It's been a, it's been a while since I've seen Glenn Gary Glenn Ross, uh, and I certainly didn't see this 2005 stage production of it. But um, <laughs> so I think that's cool. He didn't win an EGOT, but <laughs> he got nominated for an EGOT. That's something. Yeah. There's not a lot of people who can say that. He's uh, of all of the actors. He was the biggest star at the time, and he remained to be the most successful uh, after mash um, sure he's also in marriage story which is really great um just good film in general uh but he has a great part in that as as the lawyer as one of the lawyers um all right is that all is that that's all, all that's all i got i won't stop you on any of these okay. other ones so wayne rogers who plays trapper john uh left after three seasons due to contract disputes and he appeared in a few films and movies after mash um including five episodes of murder she wrote but not after mash not he was in I know, things after mash, yes, but okay. he wasn't he, in after yes. mash. Correct. Yes. Um, <laughs> so he he acted here and there, but he also gained a lot of notoriety for investments, and was a regular panel member on the Fox Business show Cashing In. Sweet. Um, yeah. Which I guess he took his mash money and good for turned you. it in, grew that pot. Yeah. Uh, he died in 2015. So McLean, 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 McLean. McLean, McLean, I think. Let's, I don't let's know. say McLean. McLean Stevenson, who plays yeah. Henry Blake, uh, would also leave MASH, this one in 1975. Uh, he kind of grew to resent Alan Alda because he didn't, when he was hired for this, he thought he would be kind of equal billing as stars as Alan Alda and, and uh, Wayne Rogers. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't the case. That Alan Alda's character became the star and he got grumpy about it which is um, really weird because in the movie it is clearly about hawkeye like the movie revolves around hawkeye and trapper is kind of eventually like no, a I, second second guy that shows up but like mclean, the movie but is all about played, those two i know mclean played henry blake so he doesn't 
Oh, so you're saying like he didn't he should have he shouldn't have assumed that he was going to be one of the. Yeah, right. Like based on the source material, the two main characters are are Hawkeye way up here. Yeah. Trapper down kind of in the middle and then everybody else like rock bottom. (laughs) Sure. Um, Well, some agent told him at some point. And uh, so he (laughs) got all grumpy and he left in 1975 and really tragic his career tanked after that so hey, badly. Hey, when, if you get to be on a show that's named after you, uh, I think that's always a fun thing. Yes. It does, I don't care how bad the show is or how much it tanks. If he, he had a show called the McLean Stevenson show. I also find it hilarious when people have a show that's named after them where their character is not actually their own name. He's, he's, uh, let me, let me see his name. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm yeah, going to stop you, but I'm yeah. going to stop you. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Fine. I have to do this one. Um, he plays Mac Ferguson in the McLean Stevenson show. Yes. You're McLean Stevenson. <laughs> Play a guy named McLean Stevenson. So, <laughs> what the fuck? Yes, he had his own show. This was right after he left, I think, also, like, 75, yeah, 76. It, it, um, didn't, it didn't last long. It I'll, didn't I'll last tell you long. <laughs> There's a couple other sitcoms that he's in that last a season or two. By the by the mid-80s, though, he became this, this butt of Hollywood jokes, mm-hmm. of people who leave shows thinking that they're hot shit and falling on their faces. Sure. Um, so, like, like, there was a TV critic that, uh, gave out an award each year named after McLean Stevenson for people that basically made bad career decisions, <laughs> like, which fucked is themselves. Awful. Wow. That's yeah. fantastic. I love um, that. I know. Yeah. In the, uh, in the early nineties, he spoke to the LA times and admitted that he was wrong to leave the show and he, his ego got in the way and all this kind of stuff. But he died in 1996 and even his death is a bit tragic, tragic. He survived bladder cancer. And then while he was recovering, he suffered from a heart attack, and the heart attack killed him. Damn. Um, yeah. So shout out to McLean Stevenson, uh, mm-hmm. Henry Blake's great character. Uh, Loretta Swit, who plays Hot Lips, she appeared in, as we said earlier, 251 episodes. Um, after Mash, she mostly appeared in TV movies and celebrity game shows. But not after. Weird. But not after Mash. <laughs> <laughs> I don't if know how to say that differently. Me up, this, I'm gonna keep I know, you down. I know. This episode's almost over, and it's. I whenever we pass the hour mark, I get so mad and I get so stressed <laughs> out because I don't want this show to be longer than an hour. Um, uh, all of these characters seem to appear on Match Game yeah, a lot. Hell yeah, uh, Match Game. <laughs> God, I don't know if I me. can find the first episode of Match Game, but if I ever do find I the first would, episode of yes. Match Game, we are absolutely yes. doing Match Game for this. Absolutely. Maybe I can find the first one that Alec Baldwin did. That would be terrible. Yep. Uh, so Loretta Swit is still alive. She wrote a book about needlepoint at one point. Uh, mm-hmm. She also wrote one on watercoloring and animal activism called um, Switheart. Because sure. her last name is Swit. Yeah, no, um, I get it. Kind of weird combo, but you know, go for it. Um, she also she also uh, was a voice on one episode of Batman the Animated Series, uh, which I just found interesting. Oh, it's, that is uh, interesting. It's the episode Mad as a Hatter. I if I was the casting watching. director of that, I'd be like, "Yes, we got her." <laughs> yeah, sweet. Uh, but yeah, Loretta Swit still alive, probably making that royalty money. I don't know. They're, Hulu probably paid for. Oh yeah, Ash, sure. Right? Yeah, yeah, Let's absolutely. Uh, Larry Linville, who plays Frank Burns, uh, also declined a contract renewal after Mash's fifth season. A lot of people left uh, early from the, this first episode. Um, he also failed to replicate his acting success from this show. He never 
use it as a launch pad to anything else. Um, the Wikipedia section of his post mash career sort of exaggerates his success. Like he's appeared in all these shows and they list yeah. chips. He's got a Jeffersons. lot of credits, but it's not, it's never for more than like an episode or two. Exactly. Yeah. Um, he died in the year 2000. Um, RIP. Uh, the last one I'll mention is Gary Berghoff. who you, we were talking about earlier. He plays radar. Uh, Berghoff appeared in 174 episodes of mash and left after the seventh season, citing burnout and a desire to spend time with his family. Uh, he too appeared on 140 episodes of Match Games, which is wild. Get paid, man. Um, <laughs> now he he's still alive. Now he's an inventor. He invented a toilet seat handle of some kind. Um, also, something called Chum Magic, which was like it's a not, dispenser. That's not the name of the toilet seat handle. No, correct. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay. Chum Magic is a is a dispenser for uh, below your boat to to ah. get uh, to distribute chum and it brings it in. it's called something else now i couldn't find it online you can't purchase it anywhere <laughs> okay. the atlantic has That's an entry bad. for it uh <laughs> celebrity inventions uh, he's also uh now i'm gonna fuck this up a philatelist a philatelist stamps <laughs> that sounds dirty <laughs> hey, hey do you want to know how i know this how that's the... there's an episode of the venture brothers where there's like a joke of like he's a philatelist and it's like well what he like collects butterflies is like no no no, it's stamps uh, that's the only reason i know how to pronounce philatelist but yes it does sound a little uh phallic it's so it's such like a generic formula of a joke but what i love when someone is like uh, he's an anthropologist. He's like he, he sleeps with his cousins. He's like, like <laughs> conflating what yeah, the like an uh-huh. ist word with something completely different is hilarious to me every yeah, single it's time. It's a good. It's a good bit. It's a good bit. Um, he's also a professional jazz drummer. Uh, I don't know if he's still playing, but apparently yeah. he played a decent amount in the '80s and '90s. And uh, also the star of Walter. <laughs> and also the star of Walter. Um, yeah. So so that's where the cast at. We talked a little bit about. Uh, Timothy Brown and Spear Chucker, who was a victim of racism, racism of the time, uh, was only in those five episodes. Um, I'm trying to think, is there any other major character we miss? There are some major characters that a lot of people will recognize that appear later on the show, but they do not appear in this first episode. Yeah, and I mean, we're, we're not going like, to... We could talk about how Lieutenant Dish uh, showed up in Playboy. Uh, so if you want to see her uh, naked, you can. It's that it's out there. It's on the internet. I'm sure that was a popular um, magazine at the time. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's even issue. while she. Was, I think it was even while she was on Mash because uh, it was like the scenes were. I don't. I don't know if they went to Korea, but they tried to like have have scenes that kind of looked like they could could be shot in Korea. Um, yes, I saw. I saw the shots. <laughs> I mean, Southern California. <laughs> I, I looks had to like do that. my research. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, there there are a lot of characters on this show, so uh, it, it's we're not going to go through everybody. Like, we're not going to tell you where Father John ended up, but um, but yeah, there were there were a lot of characters. They did a lot of stuff, but yes, you're right. Alan Alda is the one who kind of made it from all of these people, and if, everyone as an else actor, is yeah, independent yeah. of Mash. He made sure. Well, yeah, he wasn't he wasn't on cashing in or whatever, but um, <laughs> you know, I think he did all right for himself. All right. Well, Pierce, uh, th- that sounds like MASH, right? That's MASH. I'm glad so, we watched it. So we'll, uh, I guess for our outro here, we'll uh, we'll reveal what our next episode is going to be. And, uh, you know, it's only appropriate. We're going to do after MASH now. So uh, <laughs> get excited for that. <laughs> no, no, we're, we're not going to do that. <laughs> that would be one of uh, time's worst ideas of all time. <laughs> um 
<laughs> no. Uh, Pierce, would you like to announce what our next episode will be uh, around? Yeah, we are going to uh, do an episode on one of the most famous sketch comedy shows of all time. Uh, launched the careers of a lot of comics. You mm-hmm. know it. Not by the day of the week. Um, <laughs> it's in, Lo- in Living Color, uh, the early 90s sketch yeah. comedy show. I've never seen an episode of In Living Color, so I'm I'm excited to also be introduced to another thing. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. I have seen clips. I don't think I've seen a full episode. Oh, so you're before. an expert, is what you're saying? Yes, I am. We can continue with that. <laughs> well, awesome. Thank you. Well, as we prepare for landing here, remember that you can follow Pilot Program on Twitter at Pilot Program Pod, as long as that's still a thing. Um, you can also follow me at. Uh, at Chase underscore Kenneke on Twitter. That's K-O-E-N-E-K-E. Um, I know my YouTube channel now, Pierce. <laughs> oh, does it work? I, I, yes, uh, it's YouTube.com slash at Chasey K Plays. Um, uh, yeah. that, that, is, that is how you find it. Um, I also do another podcast with my good friends Bobby Pease and Johnny Amazich. It's called The Casual Hour. It's about video games. You can go to thecasualhour.com to learn more about that um pierce anything you want to talk about any uh what's what's the, the the music recommendation this time yeah so in case this is the first episode you're listening to i usually try to plug an album or a song at the end that i want people to listen to i don't really i'm not really big on social media so you don't need to follow me anywhere but if you got 45 minutes to listen to ethiopes by uh an artist called billy woods it's this amazing alternative rap album very dense rhymes very um like uh historic there's a lot of historical references a lot of very fun wordplay very heavy subjects as well i suggest you check it out um put some headphones on think about some heavy shit for 45 minutes and enjoy the ride because he's a supremely a talented lyricist um billy woods is the name of the artist and the album is ethiopes Sounds great. All right. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed your flight. Until then, thank you for flying with me and Pierce on Pilot Program. See you next time. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. And let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words... Hold my hand In other words Baby, kiss me Fill my heart with song And let me sing forevermore You are all I long for All I worship and adore In other words, please be true In other words, I